Hey guys, welcome to Press Start to Play, a bi-monthly podcast where I, Ayush, sit down with a guest of my choosing to talk about topics of my choosing from the video gaming world. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and every other place where you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, do subscribe and send us a 5 by 5 will recommend it. See you on the other side. Hey guys, welcome back uh, to another episode of Press Start to Play. This is Ayush from Indianu. And once again, we have uh, someone new to join us today for our podcast. Um, Selesh is today here with us, uh, joining us all the way from Gurgaon. So Selesh, say hi to everyone. Hello everyone, my name is Silesh Singh. So Selesh, what do you do for Indianu? So I basically write game reviews, mostly it's uh, RTS games. So I'm actually an kind of expert in writing RTS game reviews. Right. And uh, do you like RTS games? Uh, it's not about liking because I uh, mostly end up making bad decisions and as a result my entire uh, team or uh, whatever, kingdom, whatever is there, it gets destroyed mo- in most cases. So I'm actually pretty pathetic at playing RTS. I see. And what game are you playing right now? Right now I'm playing uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood and uh, Life is Strange 2 side by side. I see. Right. Uh, well, well, we'll get to those games in a few minutes. Uh, but first, I want to talk about something that's been doing the rounds uh, in the gaming news circle. Um, so ESA, the company behind E3, uh, that's the Electronic Expo, Entertainment Electronic Expo, um, is in the news and not for good reasons these days. It's because uh, they have leaked a list of uh, all the um, all the press, all the registered press. Uh, in attendees of the event this year on this site. So uh, it was captured by one of the YouTubers first. It was noticed by one of the YouTubers first and then kind of the entire um, uh, incident caught fire uh, and you know, all the big websites picked up on it. So uh, did you hear about that, Flesh? Did you hear about that incident? Yes, I heard it about yesterday. So it was most like 2000 employee details, including phone numbers, address details, account, perhaps account numbers were leaked. So how it actually got leaked, uh, I think it was there for like a month and somebody noticed it uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, whenever you whenever you go to the portal, the E3 website, and uh, there is a list of, uh, there's a link which takes you to all the registered uh, attendees of the event now uh, ideally that list should only show the names of people who are attending or maybe just the organizations who are going to attend for example IGN or you know GameSpot uh, but uh, when you click on that link it gives you an access to an excel spreadsheet which has the uh, not only just the company names but the people attending from those companies their phone numbers their email addresses and in some cases uh, where individual youtubers and streamers are involved they even have home addresses of those people registered on the Excel sheet. Uh, so it obviously became a big, huge issue as it is because you know privacy and data, um, privacy and your identity online is a big deal right now. And to have them shared across the internet in such a blatant manner is not good. Um, and yes, uh, as Selesh pointed out, that information was available on the internet for almost uh, three months before it was noticed. Uh, and so. We don't know if those if that information was used for malicious attempt, malicious problems. Uh, but um, 
once the news broke out uh esa did uh, you know uh, clarify telish you want to uh, did you hear about the clarification from them no the clarification i have not about but uh, one thing i like to point out the uh, mostly those details are leaked which are anyway pub- which will any will be publicly available like a uh, phone number and addresses because uh, those are for example someone has a social media account and phone number and addresses will be anyway present in there so uh, this is not exactly a private uh, information about the individual attending e3 so uh, what is what should all the hue and cry regarding but it's more about uh, let's say for let's say jim sterling right he makes a let's say he was one of the attendees of the show uh, and uh, he was supposed to share his per- personal phone number or personal email id with esa so that he could attend the event now someone would someone who does not like his content can use that information to you know send spam at him uh, before that he was only facing spam let's say at let's say at uh, uh, on, on his youtube channel only right but now he's going to his he can get spam is in his box yeah he, he could be spammed right so he could get uh, uh, all of this information all of this uh, spam on his personal email on his personal phone number people can call him and that kind of stuff and uh, you know i'm not sure how extensive that list was but keanu reeves was also an invitee at e3 right uh, we all saw that huge keanu reeves movement uh, on the xbox store so maybe if he was on that list who knows you know someone could get keanu reeves phone number and email id and you know just pester him with these all these kinds of stuff so uh, it's what if he is is on the list what if he is actually on the list and who knows keanu reeves could be uh, name could be out of this 2000 contacts exactly yeah that's uh, and that's the point right like uh, the the point the point of contention here is not that the keanu reeves name was on the list or not um but the point of contention is that if it was uh, it could uh, potentially lead to you know breach of security and breach of uh, trust so uh, basically following up on that so esa did take that link down and they did bring the document down and they also issued a statement and an apology uh, yesterday uh, basically and this is just a quote to quote from that text so they read the entertainment software association that's the esa was made aware yesterday for website vulnerability on the exhibitor portal section of the e3 website unfortunately a vulnerability was exploited and the list became public we regret this happened and are sorry and then they basically uh, go on to explain uh, why that list was available so we provide esa members and exhibitors a media list on a password protected exhibitor site so they can invite you to e3 press events connect with you for interviews and let you know that they are showcasing for more than 20 years that there has never been an issue when we find out we took down the e3 exhibitor portal and ensured the media list was no longer available on the e3 website and they go on to again you know apologize and say we are sorry so basically so um you're right so so there is two sections of this i understand the problem like why it's an issue it's it, it is a big issue and why you know esa should be held accountable Uh, on the other hand i also see your point that it's like uh, at the end of the day it's not really tough uh, to get the email ids and the phone numbers of the people whose details were shared on that portal right or, or on that list like um, with the exception of a few celebrities and a few other people who would like to kept uh, would like to be keep, uh, keeping their life private uh, most of the information of most of the people there would be easily available right 
so what's your you know final take on this selish so uh, it is not as grievous situation as similar to cambridge what cambridge analytica did with the facebook details of thousands of its uh, users so that was a pretty much uh, dangerous situation compared to what happened yesterday so uh, uh, there shouldn't be much human cry regarding this because at the end of the day those are uh, normal information that can be readily available uh, you're talking about spam and phone number details and private emails is those are private information but uh, people normally use their official mail id in any official events so i doubt anyone would have used their private emails that's a good point actually and you're right like i don't use my private emails when we are registering for events right so we use the official email id for our website so i think it's a good point uh, and like i said it's and when you're a youtuber or when you're a streamer right uh, you're already out there you're already out there on twitter facebook instagram so if a person is interested enough he may be able to find you know uh, the details uh, that, that are required to access you but having said that uh, Uh, i w- it would be better if esa learns from this or any any other portal learns from this games gamescom e3 uh, san diego comic con you know all these conventions learn and they're able to add more security to this information because you never know you know what where and how this information might be used right basically like watch dogs exactly we are living in the watch dogs world right yeah by the way are you excited for the new watch dogs that will come out the legion yeah it's uh, honestly if i think first it's an ubisoft game so i doubt they will be pull up uh, such an ambitious project because what they said is we can recruit any npc we find in the city so considering all the glitches and bugs that ubisoft game normally has and uh, the, the city will be having like uh, tons of npcs which will be able to recruit is this really true i mean it sounds very ambitious I agree. I think uh, I think it will be like somewhere around, let's say, uh, there are around hundred, let's say, uh, people that you can recruit um, in a map. I, that's that's going to be more like the idea. I think it's going to be more like you know XCOM, uh, let's say, spread out in a where you can hire uh, or you know recruit different kind of uh, agents with different skills. But it's not everyone. Like I don't know how what's the spread of XCOM and how you recruit agents there. But I think it's going to be in that uh, vein, basically. Mostly, it will be like I think uh, you remember the game Freedom Fighter, where we have a certain charisma level, and on the basis of that, we recruit Freedom Fighters to fight the Russians in New York City. Yeah, I have uh, I have played that game. Yes. Yes, uh, I think uh, the Watch Dogs Three will be having some kind of such a charisma meter. And if it's uh, gets uh, if it is gets filled, so we'll be able to find new recruits around the city and something like that. Yeah. Well, after that E3, uh, we've not heard anything about Watch Dogs Legion in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but the game, one game that we have heard about a lot is uh, Wolfenstein, right? Wolfenstein Youngblood, and uh, you have been given the enviable job of uh, reviewing it for our website. So, how's your time with the with the new game these days? Well, there are actually two sides of this coin. The gameplay is awesome and it's quite fast-paced, similar to older Wolfenstein games. But the storyline and the cutscenes and the constant—I mean, uh, we play as two girls who are basically like teens, edgy teens. So at every point in this game, they will be having like a bro conversation, and it gets on my nerves sometimes. The gameplay is cool, no doubt about it. But their constant bantering—it gets uh, a bit annoying and. 
all the cut scenes in every cut scene most of the characters are females uh, the npcs are females the guys who give quests are females the main guy, character is female apart from the other main character who is vanished and where we play as his daughters and we are supposed to find him so i think uh, it is one of those rare games where the male content is like uh, 30% and female content is like uh, 70% i have never seen any game like this before mm-hmm. how long is the game uh, did you think it was too short too long as, as far as played i think uh, i think it's like a medium range game let's say 6 hours or 7 9 9 hours max to max so uh, so if let's say it's a 10 hour game right and uh, with the kind of gameplay that you experience do you think uh, it's something that you would recommend to other people if uh, someone were to ignore the storyline and the characters so the gameplay is actually quite fun if uh, i mean uh, if someone has a stressful day and they end up and they at the end of the day wants to shoot some nazis so let's say he can actually enjoy the game because uh, he will be doing jumping running around finding ammo uh, armor and shooting tons of heads off the bodies so wolfenstein is like one of the more uh, uh, this is the, like the second biggest fps of this year right uh, rage 2 was the first one and then we had wolfenstein uh, obviously metro exodus was a sleeper hit uh, and i really enjoyed that game uh, but borderlands 3 will be coming next Borderlands 3 will be coming but it that's more like that's I don't think that's like a proper first person shooter like it doesn't for, I was I was actually talking about the big 3 that's Rage 2 uh, Wolfenstein and then Doom um uh, Doom what what do you call it Doom Infinity or what's it Doom Eternal sorry Doom Eternal yeah so I think these are the three big FPC releases of this year right and uh, Rage 2 and uh, Wolfenstein like I said Rage 2 was like a disappointment I I didn't enjoy that game too much again the shooting in that game was really good it was really fun uh, but everything apart from that gameplay was not so much was not too fun right and uh, we getting the same kind of responses for Wolfenstein right yes this younger is an expansion right uh, no it, this is a standalone separate game i believe it's not a dlc or an expansion no i think it's a uh, new colossus was a smaller um intersection like an interlude between the uh, uh, the uh, the rebooted uh, wolfenstein and then uh, the new youngblood actually it will be like rebooted because i remember there was an wolfenstein game from activision sometime it came around uh, 2007 i think by uh, raven software yeah, that was uh, another that was the original reboot and uh, uh, bethesda later purchased the ip i think to re reboot it yeah yeah this is the second reboot that wolfenstein has gone through i i actually played that reboot too uh and uh, they like uh, this the bethesda reboot is more about you know uh, alternative reality nazi have taken over that was the reboot by activision that was more in line with the you know uh, the original like uh, fighting of nazis and you know going into yeah exactly going into supernatural fighting a mechanized hitler i believe i think one of the boss fights was you fight hitler in a mechanized suit while he is in a mechanized suit so so that was pretty fun uh, as a you know teenager growing up <laughs> right uh, so talking about reboots man um, as we talk about like wolfenstein is one of the games that has been rebooted multiple times uh, and you know we are living in the age of nostalgia where games are being remade remastered and rebooted all the time uh, having said that uh, are there any games on your list which you would like to be see, see rebooted you know brought back to life 
for starters the only game that comes into my mind is system shock 2 so uh, system shock 2 was basically like the what do you say the prime game from which everything else was derived DSX came from System Shock 2, Bioshock 2, Bioshock, uh, Prey, Dishonored, Thief, every single thing came from System Shock 2 and its mechanism. So that game should be uh, rebooted in with modern graphics and uh, uh, because the open-ended level design was awesome, both in DSX and System Shock games. So uh, nowadays in many games we find the levels are mostly linear or uh, yeah, like uh, hand-holding, too much hand-holding is there. In current DSX games, uh, it's actually uh, linear levels with uh, more, more vents to circumvent our enemies. So in older DSX games, less vents were there and more uh, open-ended nature of the level was there. Like we can hack some gates, we can bribe some guards, we, uh, we can uh, iron some boxes and find an alternate path. But in uh, modern DSX games, that thing is minimal. It's mostly vents. We crawl through vents and all to circumvent those guards or any enemy that's out there. Dishonored did a perfect thing in case of multi-linear uh, gameplay. Uh, however, the same needs to be incorporated in more and more games. That's what I feel. Mm. And do you think like if uh, we do get a um, reboot of System Shock 2, would you like the same story, like the same System Shock story again? Or would you like, you know, a variation or like a retelling of the uh, of that scenario or that situation? Uh, what I have, this is my personal take on it. Most people haven't played System Shock 2. Honestly, what I say. I, the people of my generation have, have not even heard of that game. So if we preserve the original story with modern graphics, so they will get to tell. But uh, that's a catch. The thing in System Shock 2 is the main uh, villain that has a god complex, which has been recreated in many animes and movies time and again. So, if we change the story a bit and uh, give it a more depth instead of god complex character, like Shodan was a god complex character. So, if we give it a, in a more depth, uh, more modern gen gamers will appreciate that kind of storytelling, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, yeah, so I've actually I'm one of the few people like or one of the most people I'm part of the majority who have not played System Shock 2, uh, but you know I've read uh, so much about it and I've read so much about the influence of that game on the video gaming genre uh, that it has spawned. So yeah, I think if there is a reboot for System Shock 2 for the PS4 and you know for the PS5 or you know whatever, I would be uh, you know all hands all all ready to play that game because you know um when bioshock came out i didn't play the original bioshock because i was in a weird place that time uh, but uh, when i got when i got the remastered collection on the ps4 for the bioshock i played that game and uh, that fortunately the game was never actually spoiled for me so when that moment came for you when would you kindly moment or that would you kindly twist came finally upon me i was really impressed by it so um, there is definitely um, a, a justification to reboot games uh, which were which are you know cult hits you know which did not get a proper box office thing uh, or you know were not commercially successful at that time but you know are a, were a huge influence on the video gaming culture uh, overall so apart from system shock any other game that uh, you have on your mind which should be rebooted what about ocarina Ocarina of Time. I've never played that game, but I've heard uh, many people saying that it is like one of the best RPGs out there. 
रिबूट मीन्स विथ मॉडर्न ग्राफिक्स और देरिजिनल पॉलीगन लो पॉली एसेट्स ऑफ दल्ड टाइम्स एंड जस्ट रिमास्टर इट इन टू मॉडर्न प्रिजन ग्राफिक्स You mean a proper reboot like Final Fantasy is getting? Final Fantasy VII is a good, good example. I think that's that's how a game should be done. If it it is being re- rebooted, I think they uh, they are doing a good job with it. Um, they have they have not only upgraded the graphics section of it, they have also uh, fine tuned the um, gameplay aspect of it, and you know, dividing it with chapters and whatnot. So I th- I think like it's it has to be a different approach, right? Because with Resident Evil Four, right? that that's the same game it's uh, when it came to ps4 um and resident evil uh, 4 right now is one of the few games that is available on all platform i don't think like it you will be hard pressed to find a platform on which you cannot play resident evil 4 right now <laughs> right so uh, but yeah i think it's uh, right now it's like the skyrim of uh, square enix uh, but yeah uh, i think uh, every time you reboot something uh, you should also um you know bring something new so for example the wolfenstein reboot right the uh, the uh, the reboot by um, by bethesda was great because it took that uh, bj blockscovich timeline and that history and put a new spin on it that now you're working in alternate history and suddenly it's a franchise it sets us apart from sets itself apart from doom it sets itself apart from rage it sets itself from apart from halo it's you know it becomes a t- completely different imaginative world right and that's that's what reboots should do right another game that i like to see rebooted is the prince of persia series uh, i mean like uh, i grew up with that series um, uh, this is the uh, dark prince uh, saga so uh, prince of persia war within prince of persia um, the two yeah uh, and that time and the sands of time like the sands of time saga um, i while i was growing up uh, the prince kratos and uh, master chief like they were the three big uh video game protagonist that really influenced my uh video game experience that time and you know kratos was recently uh, rebooted uh well it was well it's like a kind of soft reboot still a sequel but the series was rebooted in the sense that kratos was presented in a different fashion uh it was a different uh, it it was more of an adventure narrative game than an action uh, action button smash map game and you know um it just felt the right kind of reboot so i want something similar for the prince i don't think i uh, someone should give him a son and you know take his story through but, but i also don't want to see like this uh, soft uh, soft half assed attempt that was made uh, during that uh, the the last reboot that the prince had where he, the forgotten sense exactly so i hated that game uh, and uh, you know it physically hurt me every time uh, i every second of that game i played it physically hurt me like i, I could feel something a big part of my childhood dying while i was playing that game so yeah i want that series to be re- rebooted older prince you know broken and tired and you know done with all the stuff and then he has to get into a challenge i'd love to see something like that like you know an old altair from assassin's creed i want to see something similar done with you know the prince so uh, actually if you notice the storyline at the end of the two thrones there are two princes the dark prince the resides within the bo- princess body and then he will be talking to farah and he will be telling the story and that story is actually the beginning of sands of time so no, we till now we are we have not even heard what happens to the dark prince so uh, if a reboot will be happening it will be it should be more like a sequel in which the prince 
uh, fights that alternate personality residing with his body yeah i think like there is narrative to be told with older heroes you know um uh, that was uh, that was one of the most uh, interesting things that i loved about the diablo 2 narrative uh, the villain in diablo 2 narrative is actually the hero of the first one so and that you know that twist or that uh, thread of narrative always interested me very much in prototype also something similar happened alex mercer became the villain in the prototype 2 correct that is that is correct and that's an official sequel right so and that is true alex mercer became the villain in the first in the second one i think crisis also had um, you know similar situation i'm not sure if uh, that's entirely correct uh, because no no the crisis uh, in all the crisis games the hero was the uh, you know the good guy only yeah the prophet the prophet was uh, actually in the first game we are playing as someone called nomad who was wearing a nano suit in the second game uh, we play someone called as alcatraz who whose ship actually crashes in new york city and he is more in a situation dying situation but then prophet comes along and uh, prophet is also in a dying situation because he is infected with some alien virus so prophet actually uh, removes the suit from himself and puts it into alcatraz and then shoots himself so uh, in alcatraz body a segment of prophet's conscience resides and it actually grows and grows and till the time we reach crisis 3 that segment of memory has completely overtaken over alcatraz body and alcatraz is now the new prophet i see oh, that's interesting uh, and again i think that's a great great take on the you know for moving forward heroes without actually you know taking a completely new protagonist and putting him into a different situation that's how reboot should work i think they should um, they should still work as like soft reboots and of sequels um, and again like i i really like the idea of you know how time changes a character um and like they did with kratos he became a more softer more responsible more quieter god of war um and with you know uh, master chief you know the the story just gets kept getting bigger now one point he was the messiah of of this of all humanity and uh, in the later games in i think believe that's halo 4 where he was you know uh, pursued by uh, another spartan of uh, to be captured or something like that so uh, so these are the kind of stories that i like to see uh, like to see uh, so i would love a reboot on prince of persia i would love the character to come back and i think when another game that i wanted to reboot is like you know i was going through the list and the there are like two three games that came to my mind another one is like uh, splinter cell which is another ubisoft game right so uh, we already talked about prince of persia and uh, so if you take these two games and then you take watch dog assassin's creed and ghost recon right so these are three these are five franchises which have a great fan following each one of them right ubisoft does not need to do an yearly thing for each of these they can just release one game of these every year so there's one assassin's creed then the next year there is a watch dog then the next year there is a uh, ghost recon then the next year there is a Splinter Cell, and the next year there is a Prince of Persia. Every sequel has four years of gap, right? Nobody is tired of of you know yearly releases, and four years I think is a great time to build up anticipation for the next game, right? And is I think there is a market for that, and like I believe if Ubisoft you know uh, manages these manages these resources well, um, they can. turn out sequels upon sequels of these games have a multi year plan and not 
let the fans feel at their as if they are fatigued of the situation right what do you think like do you think ubisoft have enough franchises to do this do something like this now there's one thing about ubisoft games so uh, uh, what whatever game ubisoft releases mostly people are more concerned about assassin's creed and rainbow six these are the only the two games people are mostly concerned they don't care about uh, watch dogs because uh, till uh, many people haven't even played watch dogs and those who have played said it's a bit quieter game not much action and uh, story is lame that's what said it but i didn't find the story lame Uh, as for splinter cell games uh, the uh, many people have played the first splinter cell game chaos theory conviction and blacklist but yeah conviction and blacklist were more action oriented rather than stealth so i think uh, people are uh, now people nowadays want mostly action games rather than stealth games so a proper splinter cell reboot would hardly get the market in current scenario so uh, they actually churn out every assassin's creed game i mean they used to churn out uh, an assassin's creed game every year now they are doing a by year a two year release so uh, there's a separate team for assassin's creed game i think and uh, for watch dogs there's a separate team for uh, uh, ghost recon there's a separate team and uh, yeah they should do a yearly release because that will degrade the quality of the game so so we have talked a lot about you know different kinds of games that we would like to see rebooted um, is there any game you think is like perfect in every sense and should not be rebooted if a game is perfect in every sense so it needs to be preserved across generations for example the first dsc game was completely perfect but more, the current gen people haven't even played about played and for them the first dsc game is actually human revolution so uh, the game which is perfect actually needs to be rebooted to preserve the original mechanics and carry it across generations that's a good point you know uh, lots of games you know uh, which are uh, milestone games you know in the history of video gaming industry you know and but they don't uh, translate so well to the generation to the new generation right for example like half life 2 right um, that game when you were a part of generation yeah when you are part of that generation who saw half life 2 release and you had not played like during your lifetime you, you saw that release during the, like your lifetime you played that game and your mind was blown now if you go back to that game like if you give that game to person who has already played it uh, played games other than half life 2 uh, up to 2005 or 2015 or 2019 right and they will not see what's so revolutionary about half life 2 right and it does not translate that well but if we do that right so uh, if you reboot that game in even its entirety right uh, do you think it's a good idea to reboot such games because they will not translate so well to the future generation mm, it's a tough question because the market scenario constantly changes for example right now people are more, mostly focused on battle royale we have car battle royals we have willy uh, battle royals we have gun battle royals so uh, i think that, uh, the hype will remain for a certain amount of time and then people will succumb back to dota and counter strike pvp so people uh, people actually want fast paced action quick pleasure because uh, yeah that's how the society is now 
so slow paced games like uh, splinter cell needs to be reincarnated to be more fast paced and that's how we got splinter cell conviction and blacklist so i highly doubt uh, games like uh, Half-Life 2 and System Shock 2 will gather any more fan base than the original people who have played the original. Mm-hmm. So in that case I think uh, then they should sta- stay where they are right they should be just preserved in that format. Yeah they can actually remaster it not uh, reboot it with entirely new stuffs. If they can remaster it with uh, better graphics Uh, or more reflection shadows lighting etc and uh, release it because i think that would be a little uh, less costly than rebooting the entire thing mm-hmm. let's see well uh, you know the uh, well we're talking about remastering right so the D- original diablo uh, that is now playable as a completely in browser game for free so a team basically just bought all the code from the from blizzard and they created an in browser game uh, which plays the entirety of diablo to diablo experience in your browser well not entirely there are some parts that you cannot do you can only play as the warrior and you there is some npcs that you can tap talk to but the uh, essence of that experience the killing and the looting and the shooting is uh, all there to be played on the browser so you know someday uh, maybe we can get to play half life 2 system shock 2 on the browser you know that's the future stadia is working towards maybe right <laughs> uh anyways so after all these tough questions uh, the toughest question that i'm going to ask you selesh is at the end of this is do you think half life 3 will come out while you're alive i think they have hidden half life 3 in area 51 because if you look at it yeah uh, uh, the last god of war game uh, before the current uh, the last god of war came like around uh, uh, 2007 or 8 i think and then the sequel was released in around uh, 2000 uh, last 17 so uh, yeah forget that yeah if you look at beyond good and evil from 2003 to uh, it hasn't been even released it hasn't been in, uh, yet announced so i think there is hope for half life because uh, as long as gaben is alive we we might get a sequel yep that is how you, you know we gamers live we live on perennial hope you know we live on franchises being reinvigorated we live on characters getting resurrected we live on perennial hope that half life 3 will sometimes will someday be released right uh with that we are coming towards the end of the show um so selesh you told us that you're going you're playing wolfenstein and uh, life is strange 2 any other game that you plan to pick up in the next week or so yeah i think i'll uh, try a bit of resident evil 2 the remake and uh, let's say sometimes i play borderlands 2 with uh, whoever i find online I am uh, on the other hand playing two FPS right now. One is Destiny 2, which is basically a part of my life now. Um, it, it's just is it's like just going to office, coming back, playing Destiny 2. And the other game that I'm playing right now is Titanfall 2, and I am enjoying the hell out of that single player campaign, man. That is such a good game, uh, such an underrated game. And you know, 
that game kind of proves the point that why every every game should have a single player uh, component you know because the multiplayer of that game is down right you cannot find players even if, i don't i'm not sure if the servers are up right and you cannot find players online but there is no legacy in multiplayer right uh, the latest one is the is your legacy right but in single player games like we talking with the all the games that we talked about half life 2 and you know um, system shock 2 and god of war and uh, prince of persia these are, these are all single player experiences right um, we are not talking about multiplayer experiences at all right we are not talking about uh, modern warfare uh, should be relived or you know uh, unreal tournament should come back because those are multiplayer experiences and even if they reboot it you kind of you already have those experiences you know transplanted or changed into something else so i think like um, when i was uh, games should have a single player experience to give it a legacy like i am still picking up titanfall to play the single player campaign i'm so impressed by it so titanfall is still making respawn and ea money right titanfall 2 is still making that money a multiplayer game on an only multiplayer game will not be able to do that you know 6 months down the line right yeah exactly it has a shelf life right 6 months 8 months if you're lucky a year right so um so i'm really impressed with titanfall 2 um i am probably going to put an article out on why that is so awesome i also captured a real really good clip that i'm going to post online very soon hopefully as soon as i get my app so yeah so that with that i think we are coming to the end of the show uh thank you selesh for taking out the time to join us and talking to me thank you so if somebody wants to get in touch with you after this podcast and you become famous and people want to you know get in touch with you and where can they find you so uh, i'm on facebook you can search me at silas solidus singh and pretty much on instagram at solidus singh yeah and you know uh, just like to point out this solidus also does selesh also does a lot of uh, hand drawn um art of famous video game characters and you can find them on instagram some of them have been posted on our instagram page as well that's the uh, which you can find at the indian noob you can also find us on twitter and facebook uh, both the same name the the indian noob that's t h e indian n w o b and uh, this was ayush um happy to take you through this thanks for joining in selesh uh, and guys uh, tell us what games you would like to see rebooted and games you think are perfect in their own way and anything else in between uh, until then this is ayush and selesh signing off thanks for joining in